Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's original. I love makeup. To me, like tattooing, it was always a form of self-expression. When I was a teenager, you know, mm -hmm. I, I needed a lot of these artistic expressions in order to get through it. Well, in Golden Girls, I play Rose, and it's so much fun because I never get to play sweet people. But I do, I love playing older people because they just know more. Hi, I'm Margaret Cho. Welcome to The Margaret Cho, my podcast, where we talk to people that you already know and talk to people you should know. Here we talk to the absolutely incredible Kat Von D. She is, she's really, really somebody that I just, I really admire and I really love. And uh, we had a really fun chat. Well, I'm, I'm so grateful that you're here. Oh, no, thanks for having me. And I mean, you know, there, there's so much that's happening in your life, and it's just so crazy. So I'm so glad you made the time. And congratulations oh, on um, both a beautiful wedding and beautiful baby. <laughs> yeah. My, my son, Leofar, he's like the um, the apple of my eye. He's so cute. I think um, when we were coming up the elevator, I was like, man, it's so hard to, to leave him. You mm -hmm. know, like I, I never thought I would become that person, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's just... Uh, he just symbolizes everything that's, you know, joy and pure happiness. It's really amazing to watch. He's perfect. <laughs> He's you. perfect. You know what's funny is that um, I really see your father. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> looks too. just like your dad. Well, it's, it's funny because I look like my dad. And so when I was a little baby, I looked very much like, I think, like Leo Farr. But there's definitely characteristics of my husband that are just like, it's like he is definitely, I mean, you can just... You know I did not step out on my husband, for sure. No, no, yeah. because he also, like, I think there's some pictures that I've seen where, um, yeah, it's, it's it's him and your husband, yeah. and then they look exactly the same. Yeah, totally. Like, totally. same, like, face, same yeah. everything, same expression. Yeah, and that beautiful skin color I love. Oh, I love their so, skin tone. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it's like, this is... This is so amazing. I mean, it's it's amazing that that a new life yeah. brings so much to an already existing life, to already existing oh, lives. Oh, yeah, it's a trip, you know. And, it, you know, like I said before, I mean, I just never imagined that I would be um, this person now. You know, like, I mean, I, uh, my entire life I was like, I'm never going to have babies. Like, mm -hmm. I, like, it's not for me. Like, I love children, you know. Yeah. Like, um, most of my, you know, boyfriends over the years had like a lot of children and I loved being, you know, um, an awesome adult figure for them. But um, but I never imagined that I, I myself would have any babies until I met my husband, obviously. And then mm -hmm. he's like, 
I'm going to get you pregnant. Oh, that's <laughs> like beautiful. The first week. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and it, yeah, it was a really awesome thing to, to be able to do together. I think I've always thought of you as a real nurturer, though, because you have, um, you've always had lots of animals. You've always yeah. had lots of, um, I think, uh, you know, even if it's a green thumb or yeah. black thumb, yeah, or, yeah. you know, you have, you have a, a, a kind of personality that is, that's got a mother spirit to yeah. it, a and nurturing I mean, it, even spirit. Even with people, I love taking care of people. You know, I look at like um, all aspects of my work. You know, I build these little miniature empires, and each of them, it's it's not just me. It's it's families, and you know, the people that have worked at my shop have worked with me for over a decade now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've seen their families grow. So I don't know. I. I do find a joy in being able to help people. And I mean, I don't want to say nurture because I feel like that's kind of talking myself up. But, you know, no, it but, is but true, I, though. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, because it's like you're comfortable in a leadership role, which I think is really important for women to do. Yeah. And it's hard to, especially in um, what is your first industry in tattooing, which is male dominated. Yeah. Heavily bro culture. Yeah. But uh, I understand because, I mean, you know, when I came up in comedy, it was all dudes. Yeah, of course. And you have to be be able to uh, stand in your femininity yeah. with strength. Yeah. And not, um, you know, not, I, I think there was a lot, I think a lot of women feel scared. Yeah. Is uh, it gets scary? Like, I mean, when you're first starting in tattooing and you're in this man's man's world. Yeah. You know what? I, I've been a tomboy since I can remember. So mm-hmm. I've always considered myself with a lot of male energy or I guess like a, a good balance of both female and male. Um, so I've never felt intimidated or uncom- uncomfortable. I think the, the only times I do is when people bring up the, the gender aspect of it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, like growing up in tattooing, I've been tattooing since I was 14 years old. I got yeah. into my first tattoo shop when I was 16. And I remember um, going to some of my first tattoo conventions and having like people I admired, you know, and that I looked up to come come by and, and look at my portfolio and say, oh, you're pretty good for a girl, you know? <laughs> and that, and I'm like, man, I just wish you didn't really look at any of this, you know? Yeah. And then just like look at the work and let it speak for itself. But that, that honestly just motivated me to continue to be you know, better at whatever I'm doing. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I totally get it. I think, you know, obviously comedy tattooing that does have that in common, but I think like a majority of occupations are male dominated. Right. We live in a it's male true. dominated world at this moment. And, you know, but I see a tide shifting too. So it's pretty well, awesome. Absolutely. Especially when you look at, uh, like, if I'm looking at your career in, in the aspect of tattooing, yeah. I really feel like you in many, many ways, brought tattooing into the mainstream. Yeah, for sure. You know, like now we have so many artists, so many yeah. people with So many tattoos, female artists. Yeah. So many great female yeah. artists. And I really think that that came from you because you diversified it. You were putting Thank out you. merchandise. You were also branding and then in a very clear way, branding your aesthetic, yeah. turning it into all of these different industries. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, um, you know, when you look back at shows like Miami Inc. and and even L.A. Inc., like you, you do see me struggle with that. You know, like um, I was like the only girl in an all male show and it was not fun. You know, mm-hmm. it was there was like a lot of um, awful times that like I wish I could forget, you know. And but again, like I use that as fuel and like I turned it around, you know, I was able to have LA Inc., which was a spinoff, and it, it you know, crushed Miami Inc. In, in, a, in a sense, and mm-hmm. um, and we were able to make something really beautiful, you know, with Kim Say and mm-hmm. Hannah and um, and all the other females that were on the on the show. 
I love that you brought women into the tattoo parlor. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that it, it really made it this thing of like, we belong here and yeah. we bring a different energy into yeah. all of this. Yeah. Which is really important. Yeah, and an energy that I prefer, to be honest, not to like dog on, on you know, guy tattooers, but I just feel like, um, because there are a lot of men that have this beautiful feminine quality that I appreciate, yeah. but it's like... For me, I love connecting with people I tattoo or with mm-hmm. anybody that I interact with. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm a natural empath. So I, t- I mean, probably to a default too much, but like I like being able to relate and hear and understand and, you know, learn from people. Whereas I think a lot of like this macho attitude um, that, that I think is, has dissipated a lot since, um, since when I first started tattooing mm-hmm. of just being like, you know, sit down, bro. Like, you know, you can't be in pain. You can't talk <laughs> about your feelings and all this stuff mm-hmm. where I'm just like, hey, like, bring it, you know, yeah. like I'm here for you in, in all aspects. The tattoo is almost like a secondary vehicle to carry this. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's I think it's really it, it's it's really important. And, and then I love how when in L.A. Inc., we could watch you talk with your clients and then you would let their opinions, you know, really uh, guide you as an artist, which I think is, I feel like that sometimes a lot of male artists have a hard time letting that go. Yeah. Like they they don't want to let the client drive it. Sure, yeah. Because it's always sort of about their their brand and their aesthetic. But you always would... um, be able to let your work stand on its own and yeah. also really the client would also be very, very happy to. Yeah, it's a collaborative experience, I think, just like anything, right? I Absolutely. Mean, I mean, it should be. <laughs> it should be, but it's sometimes we get intimidated by the artists. Yeah. You know, they have this great reputation. It's taken a year or two years to get in yeah. just to get an appointment. Yeah, sure. And then you just sort of like, you get intimidated out of what you think like you want Yeah. and shamed out of like, you know, yeah. something that some aspect of your aesthetic. Yeah. But uh, I always felt like you never compromised what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> which is great and yeah. rare. Yeah. Oddly. Um, as tattooing, I mean, I think like it's now we're at a different phase where we have a whole generation of tattooers who now grew up watching you. Yeah. And so they can look back at that and see that, okay, we can incorporate that. Yeah, for sure. And stuff. I think, um, you know, but yeah, it's a tattooing is a world that I also miss because I, at certain point, I don't want to get um, any more. Like, I just don't want to finish the stuff I have. It yeah, hurts too much. Same it's weird. here, dude. I am with you on that. Like, what is that? I haven't gone tattooed in so long. I'm just like, fuck that. But you I never liked it. You never liked the, <laughs> no. ho- the feeling of it anyway. Like, no. some people love it. I don't, I do not understand. Some people say they sleep. I'm like, you are lying. <laughs> no, there's no way. Yeah, because yeah, this like, hurts. <laughs> the, some, the, like, I, I have, like, these ones behind my knees that oh, I can't gosh. finish. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame I, you. I was like steampunk for like a couple of months. Yeah. And then I thought, I'm going to get these latches. Yeah. <laughs> like steampunk. Like, and you're like, ah, you get the gist. It's an outline. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. You kind of know. Like, so one's colored and one's not. So if I'm walking really fast, it's like a weird, like, early animation. <laughs> I love that. But it's like, you you know, I just don't want to get stuff finished. Like, yeah, me too. Anything have... on my legs. Oh. Yeah, I mean, we get all the easy parts done with, right? And then now it's like, yeah, I'm with you on that. I have um, a lot of pieces that are started and unfinished. My ribs, um, the back of my legs, like the the, the crease where your leg meets your ass. I hate that. That was the most painful, like, I've 
I've, uh, because what is it? It's like the sciatic nerve. Yeah, I mean, it's all based off nerves. I think a lot of people think it's like on based on fatty tissues. Like, oh, it's not going to hurt because it's my butt. And I'm like, no, no all, all your, you know, the base of your spine is there. So you right. have all these nerves branching out. So And it's the complexity of just everybody's body's unique. Yeah, of course. And p- pain tolerances and all that stuff. I have a, a very weak, low pain tolerance. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also find like if I'm not drinking or doing drugs, I'm not getting tattooed. Yeah. There's just no. <laughs> well, you know, I've been sober for, let's see, uh, I'm going to have 12 years, July 7th, which I'm really excited about. Um, so, I, yeah, I, for 12 years, I haven't had the buffer of being able to drink. But looking back, I realized, too, you know, because I got drunk through a lot of my tattoos in mm-hmm. my early years. And um, I think that it still fucking hurts. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just don't remember it. Like, right. Because <laughs> from what I, you know, when I asked the artists who tattooed me, I'm like, they're like, you were squirming around crazy. Like, mm-hmm. so obviously, I just think it's more, it blurs the memory of the pain. But, you know, I don't know. I I, I think uh, there's really no way around it. Yeah. <laughs> I um, Well, there, there was weird drugs. Like, I, um, I, uh, uh, James Spencer Briggs did my back, uh-huh. and he does um, that Bernini sculpture of Teresa on my back. And cool. uh, so uh, he um, bought uh, some cocaine. I asked uh-huh. him to buy some cocaine uh-huh. to put in my back. So And so he put it in the water and the Did and it the work? Ink. Well, it, it did allow him to tattoo a little longer because it didn't bleed as much. Oh, okay. And it was— I, would, I feel like any kind of amphetamine would make it worse. It seemed to, like, almost like liquid cocaine they use for dentistry. Oh, like lidocaine and stuff? Yeah. yeah uh-huh. So yeah. it seemed to actually numb it out. But um, I drove home. At, I, you know, I was at the shop pretty late at Memoir yeah. with Sean and Kim. Yeah. I was at the shop pretty late, and then, you know, he had done that. And then uh, I was driving home, and I got pulled over. That was the only time I've ever gotten pulled over for, like, a DUI. But I wasn't high. Yeah. I was just so nervous that I uh-huh. had ca- cocaine on my back. Like, I was just like, I'm, I'm driving really weird because I'm really scared. That's so and funny. Of course, nothing. I didn't get a, you know, I didn't yeah. get in trouble or anything because yeah. they obviously, they were like, oh, well, she's not high, but yeah. she's just acting really weird. Yeah. She's just shady. Huh. She's just shady as shit. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the, the thing that I love about drinking and, and, and smoking pot and drugs and tattooing is that, like, I love being at the shop with the artist's when they're closing. Yeah. You know, everything's like everything's like wiped down. Yeah. And everybody's just kinda hanging out, having yeah. a drink. And that 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 collective sigh of like, okay, it's just the artists yeah. and then their friends. Yeah. I love that. That's cool. Yeah, I mean I, I, I was trying to think if we've ever if we, at my shop if we I feel like a majority of my guys are sober too. I mean we're pretty we're all vegan animal activists and yeah. you know, we're just kind of art nerds. So mm-hmm. I don't think we have a lot of um drinking that goes on anymore i mean back in the day when i was a party animal oh my god it was we had a bar at the shop you know? yeah but now it, it's it's we're pretty i think we're just pretty um nerdy grown-ups <laughs> well it's like that you know you look for other ways to that look for that sort of reward or sigh yeah. of relief yeah you know so like you could come out of like that work mode yeah and then go into something different which i mean yeah. what better than beautiful baby yeah (laughs) what better than a great home yeah and you know what better than um a life that is so beautifully curated yeah i mean you know i think a lot of it was just me working on myself you know i look back at um you know just this long sequence of just failed relationships one more tumultuous than the last and i i i'm like man well i 
I couldn't play the victim any any longer. Like, why is this happening to me? You know, it's like it's more like, why am I creating this? Like, what what part of me is attracted to um, turmoil and to um, dysfunction? You know, mm-hmm. and then um, I think. I, I, not to talk too much about my sobriety because I know that's not as interesting, but but I think um, for me when I went through like through th- through the steps of sobriety, you know, you filter out um, a lot of the negativity and a lot of the dysfunction and stuff, and you start seeing things in a different way. Um, so you kind of get in this mindset of like looking at your shit all the time, you know, mm-hmm. like hey, like what what's my part in this, you know, and um, and I think that's when like real change started to happen. And I, I feel like. Um, every year I got just closer and closer to clarity and I, I, it was almost like I was just setting myself up to have this amazing life. Mm. And prior to that, I was just like really just doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, And uh, so I, I, I honestly feel like when my husband and I finally got together mm. um it was like okay this is the right time like i deserve this um mm-hmm. I've, been, I've worked hard enough for this and so yeah. is he and then and you know and then good things happen but yeah i don't think that would have happened if i wouldn't have gone through all like the um the dysfunction that i had i had in my life yeah and it's it's really hard too when um you're in the very public eye yeah as you are yeah you know and that like the lives that we lead with such scrutiny i mean for me it's in- intensely painful to just go back and like there's like stuff of me like wasted on the yeah. street or like in a club and i just i'm like so mortified <laughs> but i'm also grateful too because it's like well those those are the actions that led me to have the life that i have yeah, today yeah totally and also like we're human you know i'm not i, I am capable of making a million mistakes you know mm-hmm. so I'm not going to pretend like everything's perfect either. I actually kind of, I mean, I'll write books about me being drunk and, you know, a wastoid and stuff, you know, because I think that it's important for other people to be able to learn from that too. So, you know, yeah, but it's kind no of shame in that. It's kind of like for me, like it was a little bit of guilt for having a really charmed life too. Mm. It's like almost as if my spirit was like, "You're everything is so easy for you. Why don't you do something yeah. to make it really hard? What do you mean? Like, was it, you grew up like with a really easy? I think like it, well, I, I grew, when I I grew up, it was like I was very um, alone because my parents worked all the time. It was like a very typical sort of immigrant scenario where yeah. my generation, we were really latchkey kids. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. Um, but when I started doing comedy, I achieved a lot of success very early and very quickly. Yeah. And being young and being a woman in this industry, like it was like, oh, there, there was a lot of like boys around, but I ended up getting a lot of the attention because I was so different. Yeah, totally. And so then, then there was a sense of like that imposter syndrome we're like i'm not really that great yeah. everybody thinks i'm so great but i'm not really that great yeah. and so then there was a, like like it fueled a self-hatred that i was able to justify with drugs and alcohol yeah yeah you know so there is kind of that weird like cycle of like hating yourself but you're getting ahead yeah. but you want to punish yourself somehow so yeah. drinking and drugs seemed like the perfect kind of way to be sort of self-flagellating yeah yeah in a way. i get it yeah. yeah. So it's like a lot of that I feel like is um, not applicable anymore. And also it doesn't yeah. look good because I'm 50 years old. It doesn't look good as you get older. <laughs> you look uh, fucking awesome, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing cathedral. <laughs> I love it. This is my favorite lipstick. Awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But it's like what's great about um, not having the complications of like drugs and alcohol, like you can really create. Yeah, for sure. Too. And um, so in that, you know, even though like you're known as a tattoo artist, yeah. you went into this amazing career as a makeup yeah. mogul. Yeah. And I mean, because that's something that I think a, a great majority of people like 
knew you already from tattooing. Yeah. And then to go into the makeup world. When was that? I mean, I think you've always been a makeup artist. Kind of. I mean, I, I never call myself a makeup artist because I don't feel like I got formally trained. Like, I, I can only do my own makeup. I mean, I, if I try doing your makeup, I'll give you my eyebrows. That's all I know how to do. Beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> but these eyebrows are not for everybody. But um, yeah, so I... I uh, I think I just have such a high respect for legit makeup artists that I don't want to call myself that. But I am a, a, a makeup fan, you mm. know, and I, I, I love makeup. Um, to me, like tattooing, it was always a form of self-expression, which was uh, really key to, um, you know, not killing myself when I was a teenager. You know, mm-hmm. I, I needed a lot of these artistic expressions in order to get through it, you know, because I didn't have, you know, maybe the support that I, I, I should have had. So art art to me, I've always set, said, has saved my life and mm. makeup is part of that. So, um, you know, when I when I decided to, to, to make this makeup line, it really wasn't about... Um, you know, this ideal of beauty, like, uh, actually I'm pretty repulsed by that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and even, um, you know, a decade into this makeup line, like, you know, I'm starting to, you know, really feel again, like I don't really belong, you know, um, when we created the makeup line in the beginning, it was like, cool, like everything else that's out on the market is just to like make women feel like they're not good enough. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, buy this magical product and then you'll feel good. And it's like, that's not what I want. You know, mm-hmm. I want it to be like, hey, like, you know, that feeling that you have on the inside, like, let it shine in whatever way, like, in, and here's some some artistic tools to help you do that, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's why we were a, a, a huge success in that sense, because we were different in our approach. And then now it's like, you know, like the tattoo industry, um, I, I see a lot of the same patterns. It's just like become very oversaturated. And, um, you know, we get distracted by... I think this idea of fame or mm-hmm. have, have the the wrong perception of what success is, you know, um, I, I I have a really hard time with it now. I mean, to be honest, mm-hmm. like even when I sit with my marketing team and we look at like, hey, like what, you know, what's the next thing we're doing and stuff. And, um, you know, I just see it's hard to talk about it because I don't want to criticize other people and, mm-hmm. um, and other brands. But like, but basically my idea of what beauty is, is really goes against the grain at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't knock uh, people if they want, want to look a certain way, and that's that's fine if they want to emulate certain people's style. But um, to me, like, I don't know, that just was everything I was kind of fighting against. Yeah. So in a world like that, I feel, I feel like, again, I think, it's, I think the tide is turning now. I mm-hmm. think it's kind of like self-imploding. Like, there's so many people just trying to sell you the same fucking shit over and over again. I'm just like, I don't... I don't um, I don't want to look like that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I'm overseeing that in my Instagram feed, you know, yeah. like the same thing over and over again. So I, I to me, I feel like we, I really want to just dig my claws deeper into the artistic approach to makeup again. Yeah. You know, and just because um, it's it's kind of like uh, like in this in this world of auto tune, like I think we're desperate to hear somebody's voice crack. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know for me that th- that strikes more of a chord to me than like, you know, a bunch of backup dancers and like you know yeah. this like kind of contrived like idea of glitz and glam you know mm-hmm. and it's the same with like the makeup world it's like you know so <laughs> I well, don't know if that makes any sense yeah <laughs> absolutely I mean what I appreciate about appreciate about all of it is that it's all so perfectly um, expressed like your aesthetic so it's yeah. it's just down to the packaging the tiniest details which is so genius i think like that's what made me really fall in love with what you you do you know thanks for noticing that (laughs) it's incredible like um you know it's like you know what you're getting from the 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 range of 
colors yeah. to the names um, to this sort of like the, the romance of just the box or the yeah. feeling of the the matte paper yeah. of the box. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people don't know that like how involved I am with that entire process. You know, we've become a pretty big brand, mm-hmm. and it, but it's it's uh, it still really falls to my shoulders. Like, you know, I'm still art directing everything and coming up with the ideas, testing the shades, naming the shades, and doing all the art behind the packaging, not just Mm -hmm. the components, but the boxes, the the fonts, like none of that is computer generated. So it it does take a lot from me. Um, But but to me, the goal is like when you hold these these pieces of makeup in your hands, like it feels there's a sense of a human fingerprint, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just something that's like, hey, here's, um, you know, a team of people sat in a room and figured this would sell great. Like, here you go. You know, like mm-hmm. I can I can feel the difference on that. You know, yeah. when something's made with love versus just like intention like of, you know, making money or something. But it comes so. all it's from the heart and it's like it's it's definitely your your eye i think that you of um everybody out there sort of in the the world you have the hungriest eye because yeah. you your eye seeks this beauty that is dark beauty but it's not yeah. exactly goth it's yeah. rock and roll but it's tragedy and it's lace and it's yeah. black but yeah. it's not um it's sort of like in the natural world like yeah. it's it's like kind of victorian but it's it's like this wonder of nature thank you but yeah this you know the anomalies of nature whether yeah. it's sphinx cats or black flowers yeah. totally totally you know yeah. and it, it's it's powerful. Like I think it's palpable. Like yeah. it's 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 a respect for the earth that um, has a, a I think a real uh, attention to the sorrow. Yeah, yeah. So thank with, you. Yeah, Beethoven, yeah. melted candles, yeah. um, art in yeah. its most sorrowful form. Little Catholicism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> little skull in there. <laughs> skulls are very important, but yeah. skulls in the um, it's not skulls in the goth sense. It's skulls in the isn't the human being so miraculous? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. more Leonardo da, da Vinci than yeah. um, than Hot Topic. Hot to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not like Emily. It's yeah. like more like what an. I it, love Emily, but yeah. I do, I do yeah, too. Yeah. But it's that kind of thing of like um, we tend to uh, sort of categorize things so kind of meaninglessly, like yeah, you know whatever. Sure. But it, th- there's a lot of depth that goes into your yeah. eye. Thank you. You know, and yeah. everything you do, and even like just at like your Instagram, looking at the ceiling. Yeah. Oh, thanks. The ballroom. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, we've. I, I bought um, a house oh, that was built in 1890, mm. and um, it's it, it's uh, you know an old Queen Anne Victorian house, and um, the people that lived there prior to us, um, maybe they were, perhaps they were just really busy or something, but they really didn't take as good care of it as I, I would have, so now I'm just spending a lot of time in just redoing the entire house, like the, the, everything from the skeleton of it, the house to all the aesthetics. And so I don't want to fuck with like, you know, the original approach to building that house. You mm-hmm. know? Like I'm not putting anything modern in there. Everything that's like getting remade is in the same fashion that they would have done in the Victorian era. Yeah. So everything's super accurate. And so we're, uh, it's, it's really exciting. It's a museum piece at this point, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. There's so many, um, I mean, it'll be a very interesting house to raise my son in, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, like the other day someone came over to the house and they were kind of criticizing, um, not on purpose, but because um, it was a friend of mine, uh, just my my paintings. You know, I, I collect a lot of paintings from my favorite modern day painters, and mm-hmm. a lot of it is like very, I guess, more macabre style stuff. And but to me, I like like you described, the darkness isn't very dark to me. I just yeah. see it as part of life, and mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't scare me. It's not spooky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, oh, you're gonna raise your baby around this? Like he's gonna be weirded out. And I'm just like. 
I don't know. I don't. I think he'll be more desensitized to America's idea of horror or something. Yeah. I don't know. You know, like I would have loved to grow up in my house. It's like so interesting and cool and different. You know. Yeah, it's so beautiful and it's it's really majestic. And yeah. growing up around like Llewellyn and yeah, and yeah. Hussar, like it's actually really incredible. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's such a gr- you teaching a great appreciation yeah. for all aspects of life. Yeah, totally. You know. I mean, I and people are like, are you sure Freddie's going to just grow up to be like a preppy kid? <laughs> I'm just like, I think if he if he ends up being the opposite of us, it'll it'll be funny and we'll laugh about it. I just think yeah. as long as his heart is nice and sweet and compassionate, I'll be stoked. You know? Yeah, which you will be. I mean, it's like you are allowing yourself to have like almost like toys, like like beautiful dolls, beautiful yeah. creatures, yeah. beautiful things. Like you don't fall to, into like conformity yeah. or like having to, you know, yeah. be normal in any way. It's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, my parents just um, we, we had we were super broke, super poor, but we had a handed down little piano that uh, my parents made us practice two hours a day since mm. I was five years old and I I resented them at the time because I wanted to be out playing like every other normal kid yeah. but uh, now I'm just so grateful for that and, I, and I'm looking back I'm like we had a very like art immersed um, childhood and I think that that's what really helped me like I said before express myself in ways and um, I feel like if we just immerse him around art and music and Mm -hmm. creativity the likelihood of him being a DJ won't happen (laughs) (laughs) I think he would be a great DJ I mean you know it would be fine I want him to play a fucking instrument not a laptop do they they play instruments I don't know well do you I don't know I've met some awesome like musicians that are DJs that you know behind the scenes are like super talented Mm -hmm. you know but then there are a lot of the smoke and mirror ones, I think. Yeah, well, you gotta, everybody has to play instruments. And also, there's a, a heavy aspect to you that's very rock and roll, Thanks. which I love. Yeah, I thank think you. that brings in that, the, it's the lightning bolt yeah, yeah, in yeah, with yeah. the roses. Yeah, it totally. brings in that kick of electricity. Yeah, thank which you. is great. <laughs> so it's like the, per, I think it's the perfect environment to raise a son and raise a boy in particular because yeah. it's like that rock and roll yeah. mixed with that feminine kind of yeah. beauty and the arches and yeah. the, the, you know, the black. Yeah. yeah, we definitely want the femininity in, in our boy's life, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think um, I, we just want somebody who will be so kind to everybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We, we, need, we need more kind boys, more kind men out there, you Yeah, know? but playing with that, too. Like, you got to do the Omen photo shoot. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, so man, cute. I can't wait for Halloween. <laughs> I know. The Omen photo shoot has to happen. Because so, I feel like there's a bit of Rosemary's Baby right yeah, now. for sure. Which I love. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Me too. So then, um, yeah, you, as he as he grows older, then yeah, we'll yeah. get into the Omen trilogy. Yeah, It'll be sure. really good. Yeah. Now, um, and I just uh, wanted to, we're almost done here, but I yeah. want to talk about the shoes. Yeah, yeah, sure. This, I'm, I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah. What size are you? I'm a seven. Okay, cool. I, I got you. <laughs> well, you've always had the best shoes and the best sunglasses <laughs> and, of course, you. the best makeup. Up, everything, but I always my eye always goes to the shoes. Yeah, I've always been a shoe fanatic for sure. And then when I became vegan, um, you know, when I first became vegan, I, I was like, okay, th- this is all about what you eat. You know, we eliminate animal products from your diet, and it's simple enough, right? And then I, I, I remember the time I was like going on red carpet with like full leather, like from head to toe, you mm-hmm. know, and um, and I got called out on it. And mm. uh, um, I remember Peta wanted to do. Um, uh, an anti-fur campaign and I was like oh yeah totally like fuck fur you know and then um, and then a fan called me out and was like hey like you know leather is just like fur it's like Mm. made and I'm like oh shit like how can I you know 
I, I want to walk the walk, not just talk the talk, you mm-hmm. know? And so I had to like really like start like looking at um, my closet and I realized, oh my God, like, you know, we exploit animals in a lot of different ways that we're not really even conscious of. So I'm not going to beat myself up over it. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not going to just go ahead and throw everything away and cause a bunch of, um, you know, I'm not going to litter because of it, you know, but mm-hmm. like at the same time, shoes are to me one of the hardest things to find without leather and mm-hmm. at least in the style that I like you know I mean I don't really want to wear like I don't know I mean not to diss a lot of my hippie friends because I'm a hippie at heart but I'm not the type of person that hacky sacks you know <laughs> like and I don't really want to wear like that that kind of yeah. you know, and I feel like a lot of the vegan um, clothing lines and shoe lines like they're more catering towards that Mm-hmm. that vibe and I, I consider myself a modern vegan and right. I, I, I want to be able to um, you know wear cool designs that are going to last a long time and um, so, but there's nothing like that in the market so I was like you know I'm, I'm going to I'm going to do it myself I love it yeah and it's just like anything that makes it easier for people to like live a cruelty free compassionate life like you mm-hmm. know why not you know the makeup line is the same exact thing it's like you know whether or not you care about animal testing like you know we're promoting a cruelty free life which is great yeah and it just makes it easier and accessible to people so, so yeah. that's exciting. So, but yeah. the shoes thing has taken like a little bit over two years to perfect. Um, we, we found like a uh, a factory that's willing to, you know, comply 100% with, um, you know, a vegan approach to making shoes. Which, you know, there's just a lot of um, aspects of it that are are, are challenging. You know? Well, it's important because if you're metal, like you don't have to live with that karma anymore. Yeah. You yeah. know, like yeah. it's like. We've had a really hard time being metal and being cruelty free. We've yeah, had a really hard yeah. time to, you know, because the aesthetic is really so much about leather and totally. Yeah, I don't want to. I love the look. I, I love, love the, the look. look. Yeah, I love the look. But I also like. I know that the things that are out there for sort of alternative culture, yeah, for, that are vegan, they're just. I don't know what it is. It's it's kind of. It's real uh, jam band. Yeah, they, well, and they also haven't they haven't mastered it. You know, yeah. I mean, same with cheese. I'm like, I'm not gonna yeah. lie and tell people that like vegan cheese is just as good. It's just not. It's mm-hmm. we're not there yet, but it's getting there. You mm-hmm. know, and I think like uh, when I look back at when I first became vegan, I mean, there was just like iceberg lettuce, like that was my mm-hmm. option, mm-hmm. and now it's like, oh my god, there's so many amazing restaurants, that, especially in LA, you know, that are just makes it so easy to eat uh, vegan and um, in, in a in a delicious way. But um, but yeah, I feel like uh, when like like you said, it's like. Like they just haven't really mastered that, like making it look cool or yeah, or just approach is a little cheesy. Well, yeah, like the approach is kind of like well, they think they're trying to, um, to, you know, they have to buy so many units, yeah, you know, to totally. to to make it viable for yeah, them, like yeah. profitable. So they have to do put out the most general design, yeah, safe that, stuff, yeah, yeah, that everybody will kind of like get with, yeah. But we all don't want a round toe. Yeah, 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 totally. Some people want pilgrim buckles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like it's like you got to like really think about like this specialized and it's like a high end thing. Do they don't want to make things high end because who's, you know, the only other person I can think of is maybe Stella McCartney. Yeah, for sure. But that's like too high end, like like in a sense, like I want to be able to I want to have like all my friends be able to afford it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So there's a balance, I think, you know? I mean, obviously, I'm not looking to make some, like, Walmart-level 
you know, disposable crap that falls apart. I I, I do want to make something that withstands the test of time. And you're yeah. buying something that you can wear for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, you know, and looks beautiful. It looks better as it gets older. Yeah. Because that's yeah. the kind of thing about, they sort of say about leathers that it's better when it, it ages. ages. Yeah, yeah. You know, but there's there's got to be a vegan component to that. Yeah, and you'd be surprised at how many, like, leather substitutes are really amazing now. I mean, the technology's out there, so it's pretty pretty amazing. And, and they're made out of sustainable um, ingredients, so it's not, or materials. So it's not... Um, you know, like people get a lot of slack for wearing faux fur and stuff because of you know the plastics and things mm-hmm. like that. But now nowadays, man, there's just uh, it's pretty amazing um, how far we've come. Yeah, and it's about preserving the earth for future generations. Yeah, yeah, which becomes more important when you realize you're you're adding to the future generations. Oh my god, yeah, I know. <laughs> Leofar's gonna be pissed. <laughs> so pissed, but I think he'll be happy. Yeah, he'll yeah. be he'll be glad. I mean, yeah. I think that's like what cooler parents I couldn't imagine. <laughs> How amazingly cool. <laughs> thank you. It's amazing. Thanks. I love it. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much, Kat. Oh, my God. I love seeing you. Hey, before I go, I just want to tell you something. Um, yeah. I'm, 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 you can always cut this out if you if you want. But um, So my dad and I, um, we really bonded this last year over um, watching a, a show together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't even know how we stumbled upon it, but we did. And we, and we watched every every fucking episode every season and it was um, and you were on it oh um, yeah yeah Drop Dead Diva we, oh I love it we, dude we we like I mean that was every night we would we would watch oh, one episode a day for however incredible. long yeah and uh, and he, he would watch all but I can't believe you know her that's oh, so cool that's <laughs> so, so good yeah, yeah you were amazing you were oh, our favorite you. part so yeah thank you yeah. that's so yeah. great <laughs> I love it yeah cool awesome thank you alright Margaret it's good to see you good to see you here's my conversation with Drew Drogi. Am I saying that right? Drew Dro- 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 Drew Drogi. Drew. Anyway, he's awesome. Have a listen. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm so glad to see you. I feel like it's I see, see you. you too. Yeah, I feel like I see you like in social media. Right, I know. And I see you in uh, costumes, but I'm very <laughs> rarely with Drew. <laughs> I know. We're never. We're never with really. With, yeah, we're never really with Drew. We're with lots of other people. I know. I know. The, all the people that populate. All the populate. crazy. I know. I know all the things that we do. All our wig pageants that we make. You know. I love it. Yeah, me too. I love it. I mean, I it's love fun. like, and that's mostly women that you are. Yeah. It's a lot. I'm doing a new show that I'm playing nine men because I really wanted oh. to just like, tr- and they're all gay men. I was going to do nine gay men because I was just like, wanted to try that out because I was like, I'm, I, I just, it's weird because like, I feel like when I went, when I did the Groundlings, I did a couple women in there, but they really encouraged us to stay in our own gender, especially then. They've really, they've really changed that a lot now because of the you yeah. know, everything changing and the yeah. like, but uh and a lot of it I, I sort of understood because it was like, you need to learn how to play a character before you, you know, are trying to go to like, you know, opposite gender or, the, you know, we're sort of making all of that, you know, statement mm-hmm. that you're making, whatever. But um, then I just started, yeah, it just was one of those things that like, I think when my Chloe 70 thing took over, mm-hmm. like I was like, I just started and then I was just like what I wanted to do. And I was like, oh, I want to play 
this woman and that woman. And then that sort of just took over for a long time. So I love it. It's fun. It's fun to do. And it's I love fun it. To, it's sort of it's fun to play around in between the two and go from one to the other a lot, too. Well, you really are absorbed into the character. That's one of the things that I really ex- excites me about what you do is that I don't see Drew anymore. Like oh, I, you, you really like become the character, and it's kind of British. You know, like how in a lot oh, of British thanks. comedy, yeah, I love their stuff. Yeah, yeah, they uh, are really like their sketch comedy is really based on um, the person really being absorbed. Like the performer gets absorbed by either the character or right. vice versa. So, right. it's is that an influence there? Yeah, it is. I mean, it must be from like you know from watching. I mean, Little Britain mm. and, um, you know, and also Monty Python, obviously, growing yeah. up in Faulty Towers and all that and just sort of loving all that stuff. And then also a lot of it is the Groundlings, too, I think, because it was like all about it less about jokes and more about like be this person. How do they behave? Right. How do they, you know, drink right. coffee? How do they just all that all that actory shit that I love that it's yeah. like so fun to do. And it's so funny because it's like then your laughter, it's like your laughter is uh, prompted by the truth of it. Right, right. You know, because that's what's really funny is yeah. somebody that is completely the character. Right. And then you're like, you're you're stunned by the truth of it. Right. And then it's, I just feel like I would watch, you know, any, it was it, just like Jennifer Coolidge or, you know, oh, Melissa yeah. McCarthy or whatever. And they would just be like, if you read what they're saying on the page, it may not even make you laugh, but you're watching them and you're crying. It's so funny. Because it's delivery and it's like how they just like walk into a room. And the, spa- and the space that they're inhabiting yeah. is so, it's so truly that character or the weird look on their face uh-huh. <laughs> or their yeah. reaction. To- I think with Jennifer Coolidge for me, like it's always her reaction time as certain characters is a little bit off. Yes. yes. Which is why it's so funny. Because it's either like somebody who couldn't speak English as their first language, is right. English is like second or third language, uh-huh. that sh- that character is a little bit off. It's so subtle, but it's I really know. what makes me laugh a lot. And it's like she's just discovered things. A lot of her characters like love to tell you what they've just figured out. And it's just, and it's mm-hmm. it's genius idiot. Like, I mean, it's like a, 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 the genius behind an idiot that yeah. she plays, you know? Yeah. And she also is somebody who's able to walk on stage in a giant fright wig mm-hmm. and be believable. I'm right. like, I've met a woman like that. Like, yeah. it's, she has this ability to kind of come out and do something. That you're like, in anybody else, you're like, it's too much, it's too broad. Mm-hmm. But she's like, you know, she yeah, she's amazing. So it's inhabiting the um, the truth of something. Yeah, and then that can make that experience of of a comedy so much tighter. Yes. Do you remember the first character you ever did? Um, I remember the, in the sketch world, we were, I was in the summer after college where I was doing summer stock in the hills of Kentucky. Uh, we were doing outdoor theater, like 900 seat theater. And it was like, we were doing like Greece one night in Oklahoma, you know, it was just insane. And they did like a cabaret, like a midnight cabaret thing. Mm-hmm. And I had this old Southern lady that I came up with and I remember uh-huh. doing that and I had never done improv or like my own character before. And I remember doing that, and that was so much fun to do. And I just sort of kind of got up and just improvised. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm sure it was horrible. Like, if I look back on it now, I'd be like, what the fuck were you doing? But, like, I remember being like, oh, this is kind of what I want to do. And then that was right before I moved to L.A. And, you know, sort of started taking classes and, like, learning, you know, original characters and and all that stuff. And it's just more fun for me than – I don't know. I love – I mean, I love going to a really – just gut-wrenching movie and just bawling my eyes out. I love seeing, I mean, Mm -hmm. I love seeing all kinds of stuff, but I just, I don't know. I like that sort of hyper, when something is like, 
when sketch comedy is good, it's like it it is so real. It's like mm-hmm. hyper real. You know, it's yeah. like it's like, but you have to believe it. You have to have a foot in reality, otherwise it's just silly. But it's like yeah. I love it when it's like, oh my god, that is how people are mm-hmm. heightened. You know, that's what I always like find um, so much joy in that show, um, League of Gentlemen. Oh my god, in, yes, um, in Britain, yes, those guys. I mean, they really, and they're so good at women. Right. They they do it so well. Well, I learned, I mean, for me it was the kids in the hall when I when yeah. I saw the way they played women, mm-hmm. it was the joke was never that they were dudes in a dress. And the joke right. was never like look how stupid women are. It right. was like oh, we love these women. And and mm-hmm. I, I believed them. And I and I just I always I always, you know, much prefer that than um than the than anything that's like silly or or that feels mean. That just feels like, you know. Yeah. yeah. I remember um when the kids in the hall came to America in the early 90s mm-hmm. and it was like the Beatles. Oh yeah. I mean, it was um, such a huge big deal. And then we, um, actually I was doing a show around that time with Pam Thomas at the Groundlings Theater. Oh yeah, of course, I'm and Pam. So yeah, yeah, and so we were like, um, you know, going, you know, and she knew them all and so we had a little in. And they came over and um, I, I started to hang out with Scott Thompson. I hung out with him a lot I in the love 90s. So I much. Love him. Of course, I, I I just I fell in love with of him. Of course. I still am. I still love oh, him. Oh yeah, totally. Love him. And an icon and I love his anger and mm-hmm. it's his it's so righteous. And I just love where he's coming from. And I love that he's just so fearless, like still. So, you yeah. know, and he's he's pretty he's pretty wonderful. But their characters, like I love like the office ladies. The Kathy's. The Kathy's. <laughs> because uh, like Dave Foley's Kathy was really pretty. Uh-huh. Dave was actually right. like a really right. good woman because he was such a he has those like fine features. So uh-huh. he's actually a very beautiful, uh-huh. like soft face. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then like Kevin was like the the, the frazzled, uh-huh. like really uh-huh. frazzled woman. Like she was kind of I guess would be like if they did like nine to five, it right. would be she would be like the Lily Tomlin. The Lily Tomlin one. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, who do you think are you who are you in nine to five? I feel like I'm you're, a more Lily Tomlin probably. Yeah, I think I yeah. think so. Because you're more a brittle. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, it's and also, just, like, yeah. I mean, we did a we did a a benefit a reading of Nine to Five, and I was Lily Tomlin, and it was yeah. that was like the part that I gravitated towards. Yeah. And um, yeah, because I'm the I I'm definitely like the the acerbic, been yeah. there, done that. I mean, for sure. You've seen <laughs> That's it. A lot. Uh-huh. And uh, brittle yet elastic. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, I like it. Yeah. When you do, when they go to bend you, you don't break. Oh, you yeah, actually okay. stretch to make it. <laughs> you know, I, I love I gotta, that. I, I kind of think that that's like there's like a, an elastic quality. So of the women like that you've played, wh- which one would be your favorite? I love playing Tanya Roberts, and it's my oh, version yes. of Tanya. It's not even really at all an impression of the real Tanya Roberts, yeah. but I just imagine her, and that it, it, she's so free to me because she's filthy. Yes, she's also so happy to be wherever she is. Mm-hmm. She's uh, you know maybe a little drunk, maybe a little coked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, has but had a lot of horrible things happen to her but like just like smiles through it and it's just it's a side of me I don't know what it is in me that I love it just I feel so free I also just like it's I don't stop talking so when I play her I don't edit anything that comes out of my mouth so mm-hmm. I will surprise myself which is always fun because she's inhabiting your your psyche so she's coming out like unedited right right you know, that's powerful. It is. It is. And there are things that will that, that do come out of you in that. It's just like, you know, when you sit down to write and you're like, all right, I have the computer open. I'm, I'm, I'm type. I'm writing. And you feel really tight. And then you just have to get up and just sort of spew. And like, you know, and like she's always spewing. And it's like you come up with all kinds of 
really fun. And you just get in it with, I mean, think about her place in society. Like she was the last angel. The last angel. She's the last Charlie's angel, yes. which is probably her biggest um, kind of milestone in terms of fame. Right. Um, and after that, so, so coming into sort of like the era of these archetypes, you know, Charlie's Angels was such a big deal. Right. And um, these women were so important to society. And then she was like coming in at a time where, you know, that the, the, that search for the last angel was almost like trying to find Scarlett O'Hara. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. You know, that yeah. big global casting search. Uh-huh. And they land on Tanya Roberts. <laughs> She's coming into the franchise when people have already kind of moved on. Right, right, exactly. You know? And is that way why she has so much to say because she didn't have the opportunity? Right, and I always when I was Tanya, when I mention it, I always I always say I ended the series like very proudly, like <laughs> I ended the series. Yeah, like you're welcome. Yeah, and um, but then it was like she went on and was this major huge sex symbol, and it was like a Bond girl, mm-hmm. and, and I just I'm I'm even more obsessed with that that eighties like sleazy LA that mm-hmm. world that's sort of like that's that feels like a De Palma like what that was like the LA noir like 80s and she kind of represents yeah. a lot of that to me kind of like Skinamax yes like yes, it's like totally. um, that early pay television uh-huh where it gets softcore I'm in a Red Shoe Diaries so you I know are? yeah I know this world <gasps> oh my god <laughs> when did you do that I did a Red Shoe Diaries probably in 1990 or something like that mm-hmm. and I'm not exactly sure what it what it was um it, so this was before you were doing stand-up or like during? It was during. Okay. Like I had just come to L.A. and um, I I don't even remember the episode, but it was something like, you know, because David Duchovny was sort of doing uh-huh. the wraparounds right. of the sort of erotica right. stuff. And then I made it. I'm not naked or anything, but I was like um, kind of like a, I don't know, maybe in one of the Greek chorus of the girls who were like in it, like that were making comments about the sexuality of whatever. Oh, okay. okay. I'm not exactly even sure. I don't even remember the episode, but I, yes, I did a Red Shoe Diary. That's amazing. Yeah. I would have loved to do a Silk Stalking. Oh, yes. Yeah, silk Stalking. <laughs> so, I mean, that, I mean, is that, I so, love it. is that the world? Like, if you could um, maybe like make a television show, I think, would that be your era that? I would love to, to, sort of dip into that world because there's something about that like I don't know I guess it was like late night like trying to catch a Cinemax movie and just like mm-hmm. just obsessed with that sort of Shannon Tweed that world oh, you know what I mean Tweed, you know yeah. that world of just like wow what was that like and I think a lot of that was the allure of LA to me like growing up right. and I was like oh I love and Hollywood Boulevard a lot of it's kind of still there that sort of yeah. that sort of gritty dirty but also glamorous yeah. thing that's like and it's all wrapped up in like sex and crime and mm-hmm. and um serial killers serial I mean, killers 70s which i love you hollywood know. serial killers oh yeah at that time usually that that was an era where they were like teams it was like two guys like whether it was the hillside stranglers right or right it was um the sunset strip killers right right the, the, the couples bianchi and buono were those the yeah, hillside? yeah those are the guys from glendale oh, okay they were yeah. the hillside stranglers uh-huh. well they, they said hillside strangler but it was two of them uh-huh and it was the two guys that you know one was the upholsterer from glendale and the other guy was like his young cousin or okay. nephew okay and uh so and then all the that i always think of someone told me i don't even know if this is true but that exit on the five onto mm-hmm. los Velas is that where they found a lot of bodies i think so that okay. they were all kind of off of the 134 okay in between the five and the two Oh, right. Okay. I think all of the bodies were around there. One of the murders was like on um, 1950 Tamarind, which is right oh, by the wow. UCB. Sure. 
It's um, right by where I live. Yeah, the big apartment complex there. Isn't that crazy, so, the phenomenon in the 70s of just like, oh, yeah, like, because I just watched the Ted Bundy documentary and it was like, for almost 10 years, he was on the loose. It was mm-hmm. like, it was just, just that was just happening all the time, you know, all over the country. It's just like so, you couldn't get away with that now. Well, I think that like the 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 way that, I mean. Not that you wouldn't want to. No, but like, I mean, <laughs> I know what you mean, but it's that kind of like the way that um, that all sort of went down was it, it sort of came out of the wars. Like after the wars, uh-huh. people came back really fractured yes. mentally. Yes. And then um, having kids and passing that sort of like ment- mentality onto the kids. And then you're very isolated. And then something like. Um, that spawned that. It was like society that spawned the serial killer. I think nowadays you would have to be very, very aware of what's happening because we have so much, you know, they they look at your internet searches. There's oh, exactly. So much, There's no know, way. I mean, that's a, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you were able to hide out. But it did. There was, it, yeah, I've never connected that with the war, but absolutely. There's something to something that. Something for sure. Something to that. But well, it's just like with the zombie movies that were a reaction to Vietnam, like yeah. all of that stuff. It's like, oh, wow. Horror became kind of like a way for a society to cope with the Process. horror that was right, real life. Right, Like if it was monsters, if it was Freddy Krueger, if it was Jason, it was, you know, easier than dealing with all of that stuff. That's yeah. That's fascinating. But the Skinamax era, like that, like it's, it's vaporwave, you uh-huh. know, it's, it's, it's kind of ultramarine, ultra blue, per, ultraviolet, yes. purple, yes. neon. Uh, Mex headroom, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. sunglasses, tip down, uh, 80s, palm trees, blondes. Yes. You know, that's what you would come here right. to discover, right. what you saw in the movies. Sure. What you saw and in Night I, Flight. And I lo- Night Flight, I loved it. And mm-hmm. then like a little bit, cla- but I mean, like Body Double, The Morning After, oh, yes. Crimes of Passion, like all those movies. Oh, you're I just love like, Crimes of Passion oh, with it's so... a- Anthony Perkins Anthony and Perkins. Kathleen Turner. I know. Kathleen Turner was such an uh, an and kind of really important figure in that uh, era. Also, yeah, oh, Teresa totally. Russell. Teresa Russell, yeah, sure. Who's my favorite? Black Widow and oh, horror. Yeah, I love horror. Yeah, horror so is funny. You can actually watch it on YouTube now. Oh, you can. And it's interesting because I didn't realize this. It's a play. Mm. So if you watch it, you go, "Oh, this is a play," because it's mostly um, Teresa Russell's set. character. Yeah, a, a, a explaining what's happening. As she goes along, you know, into in her sex work, right? Um, and and pra- wasn't it like NC seventeen or yeah. X or whenever it came out? Now it's on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it's it's very violent. I mean, you uh-huh. know, she has to endure all of these indignities, which is oh, sure. true of you know sex workers at the time and mm-hmm. now, you sure. know. But it was a very unflinching look at that, and I think that's probably why the NC seventeen, mm-hmm. which Crimes of Passion probably was NC seventeen. Oh, as I'm well. sure it was too, because there was a lot of like. The religious um, kind oh, of oh yes, because Anthony Perkins was like a street preacher yes. or something, and then he was also the killer and yeah, yeah. trying to um, and there was convert like some her. dildo knife or something along yeah, those in lines the, or in the cross yeah uh, oh right 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 there was something like this like sexual violence, but then Kathleen Turner in that beautiful blue dress like devil in a blue dress uh-huh. kind of era, but yeah, there's something very sleazy. There's also a Billy Joel video that's. Um, you may be right. I think is oh okay, and where okay. he's making obscene phone calls to a very like icy blonde, and it's oh, a split wow. screen, and it's very like this is also that tapping into that sleaze. It's almost right. like Hollywood Boulevard was our answer to Times Square. Oh sure, with sure. all of the peep shows and Taxi Driver, right, right, and that kind of stuff. And that just was part of the, and it was just part of the culture. Like that's you, you know you're just gonna do that. But I do, I love all that stuff. I think it's just fascinating and just and it is like it, it now we can look back as like it was like a period that was like a time that mm-hmm. like doesn't really 
you know, because I don't really know who's, you know, making that aesthetic anymore it's, other than things that are being retro and yeah, going back to that, you know. It's, yeah, that people don't, um, they, they don't, they don't uh, capture the sleaze right, of it. Right, Where uh, I think the sleaze is pretty glorious. I do too. You know, I love, I love, I love the idea of like in the 70s, like going with your husband to go watch a porn. I know. The and just you see the pictures of like all the celebrities that would go and see Deep Throat. And yeah. It, or it was like it was part of the culture. Like you would go out to a nice dinner and then go out and see Deep Throat. Yeah. You know, and it's like, how great is that? I love, I love that, you know, and, and I think, um, you know, there's something, there's something to that sleaze that is like, I don't know, those theaters are actually like scary. You ever go in the, there's like one that's like actually on, um, Santa Monica and the it's Tomcat. Oh, I love the Tomcat. Yeah, I've never been in there. It's really, it's it's really, um, it just smells like semen. Sure, but also yeah. the t- is it the tiki <laughs> or something? It's like the one oh. that's kind of kind of like Polynesian themed. Yes, yes, I know and what you're talking about. It's got red outside. It's close by. Yeah, sure. And it's kind of small. Uh huh. And I think a lot of people, um, I I don't I don't like I think a lot of people go in there to just do drugs. Uh huh. That maybe that that's kind of a cover for that. Sure. But um, I just love the idea of like I love those that it places. exists. It's so great. Yeah. And um, I know I don't want Hollywood Boulevard to ever change. I really don't. And I just somebody was complaining the other day, like, "Oh my god, this place is such a shithole," and it's never. And it's like I love it. I love mm-hmm. that it feels so authentic to what this place is. And yeah. I just I don't want. I don't want. We have plenty of Starbucks on the block. Like, don't <laughs> worry. It's not like it's, you know. Yeah. It's gonna. I mean, it, it, there there is something vital about it, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's also a great place to sort of look for characters. And oh, totally. To look for that. Totally. That feeling. Now, is there? So, is that? I always sort of associate you more too on the older side of characters, mm-hmm. like whether it's a Golden Girls or oh, right. it's a. What? Which one is your favorite to play? Um, of the Golden Girls, or just mm-hmm. or in, in general? I, well, in that in era. Ge- well, in Golden Girls, I play Rose, and mm-hmm. it's so much fun because I never get to play sweet people. Like I usually oh. play such bitchy, awful people, and so it's so fun to be. And Rose is so. It, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think she's stupid. I think she's just a child, and she's always learning, and she's mm-hmm. always teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's, and she also is just in the moment. Like she forgets, although remembers all those Saint Olaf stories, but she doesn't ever, you know, connect or everything. But it's, it's so much fun to get to do her with all, with all of those, with all those great people. Um, but I do, I love playing older people because they just know more. Mm-hmm. They've seen more. Mm-hmm. It's the stuff that I like people I looked up to when I was young and I like love references to stuff. And a lot of my characters have they reference things of years past. And it's I don't know. I just think it's way more exciting than yeah. than people my age and, and younger. Usually. I think it's fun. I yeah. mean, I, I love that. Like and I I mean, Golden Girls was such an important show. Like mm-hmm. I actually worked on Golden Palace mm. um, after that. Um, so it was them, but without with Don Cheadle. And, yeah, with Don and, Cheadle and, and Cheech. Cheech Marin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I uh, had to sing on it, and I was really nervous. And um, so Rue hummed the note in my ear because she had perfect pitch. Oh, she hummed wow. the note in my ear so that I could get the perfect pitch. And uh, it was really meaningful, you know. Wow. It was really, it really calmed my nerves. Of course. And it was such a nice gesture for her. That's to do so for me. sweet. That's so great. And, and then, uh, you're, and she's then. Great. And then getting to work with those icons, and yeah. you know, at the beginning of your career, I'm sure you were just like, "Oh my God, this is." It was insane. really exciting. It was really exciting. I know. I just I got to do a hot in Cleveland, and I felt that way about because oh. with with Betty, and then and then all those. I mean, it's just like that cast of just like 
Mm-hmm. I mean, Wendy Malick and Jane Leaves and Valerie Bertinelli. I was yeah. just like, I was like, these are people who are, I mean, warriors. They have been doing yeah. sitcoms. I, I feel like I was getting paid to take a class and how yeah. to do sitcom acting. Yeah. And also just them taking me in and then it was just like getting to, yeah and then it was just it was just surreal it was like that's Betty White and it's mm-hmm. it's nuts because she I mean literally invented television it's like yeah. I mean you know before I Love Lucy she had a show it's like crazy to think that like and that multicam thing where it's it is really like a play mm-hmm. you know during it. I think that if you um, were around in the 70, 70s and early 80s I, th- I feel like you would be a neighbor on the Jeffersons oh my god I would love that <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you see it? Totally. I totally see it. Totally. You would definitely do that. Or, or like, um, um, oh my God, um, like a Jim J. Bullock, you yeah. know, or whatever. You know, it's like, I brought oranges or whatever. <laughs> whatever it is. I love Jim J. Bullock. I do too. That was a good show, Too Close for yeah, Comfort. Too Close yeah. With Ted Knight. Mm-hmm. And the, the uh, those lo- ladies, yes. Oh, yeah. Such a good one. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I remember Bronski's Beauties. That was Nancy Walker's okay, show. Okay, okay. I think it was only... I don't know if that I was vaguely. The it was like oh, it that. was sort of after Laverne and Shirley. They okay. did like sort of. It was like a showgirl comedy. Oh, fun! It was sort of a, either about the Rockettes or so, something about like dancers. Okay, but it it didn't live. But Nancy Walker was kind of like the the, the matron or the, the mama. Matron. Of the, okay, okay, That's you know, hilarious. That would have been good. And then, um, yeah, I re- I really feel like what I would love to see now is the the Chloe miniseries. The oh Chloe, God, I would love to Like a, the made-for-television movie, the Chloe, I mean, what do you, <laughs> I love the Chloe everything. Oh, well, thank you. It's I would so love, funny. I, it's so, I, I, I've been doing that for so long and I keep thinking like, oh, it's done, it's no. over. And it just kind of keeps going. Yeah. And it's like, I, you know, I just had somebody come through and ask me to like, go, you know, um, entertain his birthday party as Chloe and I'm like sure let's work it out and you know do it but it's like I'm interested I, I, I've always wanted to know I mean Jim Hansen who makes the videos with me mm-hmm. has been he's he feels really strongly and I think he's right on some on some level about like the, the like he's like Chloe like sort of needs to exist in her own universe mm-hmm. so it's I've done a couple things as Chloe with other people and it it's a different energy because it's yeah. like when she's like it's almost like she's on Mars and so like yeah. Because it's not really Chloe Seventy, it's not really, it's just, and the references to people, it's just like names that just sound fun. And so like, it would be, you know, um, and I don't really improvise as her because she's so hyper-specific in the right. way she speaks. Like mm-hmm. it's, I, I'm always nervous to improvise as her because I'm afraid I'm going to stumble or stammer or say something dumb. And she's so correct all the time. She's very precise. You and know? the impression is very precise. And, um, yeah. So, but I would love to like sort of figure out like a, like taking her out of the videos and just and doing like some sort of miniseries and seeing what the internal life is like and seeing you know because <laughs> well it's poetic. The thing is, is you're almost creating like um, word jazz because <laughs> you're like li- this list of names and what it is is like you're it's like I'm watching like looking at her column in like you know Vogue or whatever uh-huh. and it would be the names that would be in boldface so that you knew who was there oh right 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 yes and it was always people that you don't know right but you right. should exactly like I should know these people but I'm not 100% I don't know sure but it they, they sort of it's like Chloe sort of it's a name dropping but name dropping on such a, an elite level 
that right. you can't even perceive. You can't even, you don't even, and it was, it, I mean, a lot of it comes from when I was in North Carolina growing up and I would read New York Magazine and I would mm-hmm. read about these people. And I was reading like Brady Easton Ellis and all that stuff where it was just listing names. And it was always so funny to me that that sort of defined an experience by who was there and mm-hmm. why, what they were wearing and what they were eating. Yes. And there's like very little humanity in that. But it's like, but it's like, you need to know who these people are because they are, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was always more interested in like, not the, I mean, the movie stars are one thing, but it's like the people that are like the socialites and the right. people who are like, or the star DJ or whatever. Yeah. And I did read an article with, with Chloe Seventy when she was name dropping all these things I had never heard of. And mm-hmm. she was kind of casually saying it like, oh, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really fascinating. And I mean, really funny, but also it was just sort of like, wow, I, I so don't, I'm so outside this whole world. And so mm-hmm. it was just like a way to sort of dip into all that. And I think it is like a, Something and it's almost like if someone if you know what I'm talking about I'm going to be disappointed because mm-hmm. that means it's a little too mainstream, right? You know, it's like if you yeah. understand all my references and it is funny because some of the times like you know most of the things I do in the videos are real people and real things. Every now and then we'll make up something or we'll make up some insane food or something like that or a fashion thing that doesn't exist, but the labels are real. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is really funny to me when people are like, "Oh my god, I got all those references," and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my god, it's kind of I mean, great. I'm glad you like it, but kind of not the joke because it's like." The joke is that you would think those references matter, you know what I mean? Right. That, that like, <laughs> but but it, it what it does is it paints a picture of a life you're not living right. that you wish you could. Oh, absolutely. You know, like it's about it sort of sparks that envious thing of like every it's it's the beginning of FOMO. Right. It's like yes. that fear of missing out. Yeah. You're actually missing out on all of this in so many ways. You're you couldn't yeah, even you understand. You couldn't possibly understand what you know the life that we have, and a lot of it is you know. It's a lot like Gwyneth Paltrow's thing with the, you know, just all of her crazy, you know, you're just like, how do you have the time and then and money and the energy to do that unless you're Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, to yeah. do all these things. And, um, you know, there is sort of also just the idea that like, um, oh, we're all the same. We all have the same amount of, you know, money, time and energy. And, like, you know, I just love that. I just love yeah. that. Just the, the you know. It's the goal. The goal. Like, how do you think we're going to afford $400 cashmere socks? They're yeah, only four. Like, it's exactly. like, Exactly. They're just 400 bucks. It's like, who? They're right. only? Right. What? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like so out of touch. But totally. It's, it's also being very in touch with a kind of identity in a world that I wish I could belong to. Oh, absolutely. But I absolutely. would just never, you know. No, but I mean, I feel like. It, there's also a thing too, like at a certain point, like you just, if you come up a certain way, like you're just not ever really going to be, no matter how much money you have, you're just mm-hmm. always going to, I mean, I always hope to be like, I don't want to be in that, in that. I, I love looking at it, but it's like in it, I'm like, oh God, I would be, I hope I'm always in on the joke, I guess is mm-hmm. what I'm saying, as opposed to just like, and I know there are times that I'll say things and I'll have friends go, that was so Chloe of you. And I was like, I know, <laughs> I know. Which is great. I mean, that's great when that's. I came back from art- something and I was yeah. like complaining about a publicist, and they were like, "Drew, I got so up on Chloe. I got up on on cabaret that you, you've done yeah, that show, but right, you, yeah. and I did it, and I did one set, and I just it was just I was I did not have the audience with me that night, and I and I and a friend was like, "You were kind of complaining about how annoyed you were that you had a with this publicist," and I was like, "Oh my god, I sounded so snatchy, <laughs> like you guys." It's no. like you know, Drew, you know. Calm down. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But it is hard. It's hard. It's hard. All that managing all of that stuff, it's a good place to kind of you think to vent about it. Right. And sometimes you really it's about it's sometimes I go I sort of go up and do uncab like totally without any I, I try to I try to have very little planned. Mm. And sometimes that goes really well and sometimes not because I should have thought more about my angle because it's kind of it's sort of like it is a litmus test of like, is this sort of 
I try not to have any like jokes or anything I've written there, but sometimes you're like, you should think a little bit more about like, because you can make anything work. It's just about kind of going, is it coming off like a little too ungrateful or um or just like a thing where people just kind of can't relate like they just sort of like they yeah. kind of go there's you know it's the things you can complain to your five best friends about mm-hmm. instead of like you know the constance wood thing it's like don't don't tweet about it like like mm-hmm. tell your like complain to your friends if you're upset about something but maybe don't get up in front of people and go oh my god this is so hard and this is so horrible because mm-hmm. people are going to be like wait a minute yeah, no. because you have so in in the you look to have so much power in the world, and what you know, what right. anybody would be so grateful to exactly. be exactly, and you forget that because you're a human being. You have, I always say, you have your you have your close friends that you can that you should be able to vent about anything to because mm-hmm. we're we're all people and we're we're tired and we're yeah, you know, and and our bodies hurt and so. But then it's like you have to realize that what you're putting out there in the world, like, is this like something that everybody needs to see this side of me right now? Because you can be a lot of things. Mm-hmm. People are complicated. You know, you can be very grateful and have a moment where you're just like, I just want to explode yes. and vent. And it's frustrating. Right. But I mean, I think like it, it is it's hard to gauge like when it's appropriate and when it, it's like and it's also hard to see what people think of you as having, you know, if right, they're like right. watching you, you know, and it, you're also with something like Uncabaret where it's encouraged that you don't prepare everything, right. you know, and you're sort of being very, um, it's not exactly improv, it's more just um, you're kind of going off of what you're prompted by the audience, which you're prompted by other comedians. So it's, it's, right. it's kind of hard to judge what to, to do then. Totally. It's hard. And you do feel like in, the, in, that, in that show, I mean, it's a bunch of friends. So you do feel like you're sitting around kind of talking with friends as opposed to I have to right. get up and perform and right. do like a set you know but the reality is is you don't know a lot of those people um, and you can't be too worried about that and just be constantly you know concerned with that kind of stuff but it is it's it's sort of a, it's a good way of kind of being able to gauge and you go and be of, it's good to make yourself go and be free right there and something really good can come out of it. Totally. You know, um, I think that's I, I think that's the spirit of that show, which mm-hmm. why I've I've always enjoyed doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that. You Do know, you try out new really, material there, or are you like going to go sometimes uh-huh. a little bit? You know, I haven't done it for a while. I, I remember when Beth uh, started it, and this was like early '90s. Mm-hmm. She used to have um, this thing where she was campaigning for first lady. And because uh, she thought it was should it be an electable office. Oh wow! And so she had a, a legit beehive. Like she w- went to a hairdresser and had it built, and it was a legit beehive. It was really incredible. It was oh my glossy God. black beehive, and she wore these like Jackie O suits. Oh and, my uh, God! <laughs> she would come over to our apartment uh, where I was living in Hollywood, and um, she uh, would would talk about it, and then and then after, shortly thereafter, she started doing uncabaret. But uh, it was quite a wow. She was quite different. Uh huh. You know, but, that's such uh, a different. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's so weird <laughs> that, how like when you, you know people for a long time. Right, 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 right. And they change. Right. And um and I feel like I've known you for quite a long time. I know. Too, now I feel like when was the first? Let's see. I God, it's been a while. It's been a while through like Selene and yeah. Ian and all everybody. Yeah. But I, I am a longtime fan. Oh, likewise. And now, where can people see you um, out there? Like you do so many things. Um, I'm uh, I'm on. Yeah, I I do a lot of live shows in L.A. and and New York when I can up in there. But like yeah, on um, Twitter and Instagram and all that mm-hmm. and all those things. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Well, they should go see you. Everybody should oh, see you. Oh, thank you. You're I amazing. appreciate that. You're amazing. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Morgan. I think I'm finally free and I don't know where to start. Coming out of the dark. Coming out of the dark.
Never miss an episode of Be Margaret Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.